What's going on, fintech fans and taco lovers? This is another episode of Taco Tech. Sanquist from Three Crowns Copywriting and Marketing, joined by my co-host, Tori Hoppy from Flyer. And this week, our special guest is Craig Centron from TD Ameritrade, the head of Institutional Technology Consulting. Craig, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, we are as well. Let's just jump into it. We're going to start things off with the story of Craig Tell us how you got your start in, you know, FinServe and what's brought you to right now as the the head of tech consulting at TD. Yeah, ha- happy to share. You know, it, it's been a it's been a long journey as I as I look back. I think uh, I'm bumping up on 15 or 16 years in financial services, and it was kind of by chance. You know, I, I came out of school, um, and, you know, and I'll date myself, I guess, at this point, but came out of school in 01 and and had a job lined up, and then the towers fell, and then the job disintegrated. Uh, so I was working retail and a couple of odds and ends for a little while. Um, ended up in the finance and insurance side of a car dealership. And I saw a bunch of uh, credit applications coming in and you see you know, how much financial advisors are making. And I'm like, man, you know, that, that looks like a really good job. I could go do that. And then decided to become a financial advisor with an independent broker dealer, went through the whole licensing thing and then realized that income takes a really long time uh, to get to. Um, and then just determine that, you know, this wasn't something I wanted to do right now. Was, I think I was like in my 20s, didn't really know anyone that had money. I didn't have any money. So trying to build a practice back then was, was really challenging and decided to kind of shift. Um, went over to an asset manager, did the internal wholesaler, hybrid wholesaling thing for a little while, jumped to a large insurance company, kind of did a similar type of role, then um, went into a little bit more of like a boutique thought leadership um, position and group, and then helped to build the practice management group for their uh, wealth management RAA. And that's really what turned me on to FinTech and the RAA model and all the options uh, that are out there. So, you know, as we're building out this practice management group, you know, you're understanding and learning a lot about all the different financial planning applications, the different CRMs and so on and so forth. And you're also learning that some companies put limitations on what their advisors are allowed to use. Um, and as I started looking around for new opportunity, this TD Ameritrade popped up with um, technology consulting and, and practice management. So it was like a combination of what I really was doing at that point and what I, what I was really becoming passionate about. And fortunately, I, I won the job moved over to TD Ameritrade in 2015. Um, and then shortly thereafter, the role transitioned from part practice management, part tech consulting to 100% tech consulting. So I did that for a couple of years. And then uh, I was afforded the opportunity to lead the team a couple of years ago, the team that I was on. Uh, so that was that was a pretty interesting dynamic and in moving into a leadership role. And, you know, been at, at TD since 2015 now. So that's the story of me. It's fascinating to me how many people share with us that they kind of got into the industry almost by accident, like not by design. Sometimes I wonder if there is anyone in FinServe that set out to be in FinServe when they were like in their (laughs) early 20s. It's it's funny. It's just like uh, your career finds you more than you find your career a lot of the time. 
Yeah, and it's been a winding road to to get to where I am. And you know, I've I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of great people and a lot of great organizations. And, and the one thing I have learned along the way is that it's a really tiny industry. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, forget about six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon. This is probably like two, maybe <laughs> three tops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who who is our Kevin Bacon? Who who can we set as like the person in the middle that everybody goes around? Is it Joel Bruckenstein? Is that it? Uh, that's who I was thinking. Okay. I would, yeah, I would Three say degrees that. of Joel. <laughs> Three degrees of Joel. <laughs> that should be the next game. There, there we, go. we go. We're going to brand it Taco Tech and yep. we're going to make that up. And I think, I think what's really interesting about that story is when you said you joined TD in 2015 and how quickly TD evolved in becoming um, really into technology for their advisors. Um, I think they pivoted really the fastest to um, tech consulting and bringing on, um, you know, making sure that tech is important to these advisors and their businesses. So I think that kind of leads into like our next kind of topic we wanted to talk to you, you about. Your team at TD helps advisors build out their tech stacks and help them be more successful. Can So we kind of want to talk about that process and how you guys help those advisors, um, even if they're not TD clients yet you guys still go through that process with them, which I think is really important for advisors to know. Like TD wants them to be successful, whether it's with them ultimately or, you know, down the road. So I want to talk a lot about TD and how their mindset is technology focused. Yeah. You know, I was, I was really surprised when I joined TD Ameritrade because I I knew a little bit about the RA model and I knew a little bit about Mm -hmm. the technology side. And I learned really quickly that, this strategy that they started probably back in 2010-ish, uh, 2011, yeah. to be more open architecture and to allow advisors to have choice was really a, a perfect storm of opportunity because right at that point, a lot of advisors wanted a best of breed solution. They wanted to build their own tech stack. And frankly, that's, that's a lot of the reason why RAs go independent is because they want to run their business the way they want to. And that's technology, yeah. it's operations, it's staffing, it's location, and you know, it's everything, it's business models, everything that really goes into that. Um, you know, and when you start to, and I think when I joined, we probably had just about a hundred integration providers that worked with, uh, you know, through the Veil Open Access platform, which is, you know, really the that ecosystem of, of vendors and providers that advisors can choose from at at any point. That has grown to north of about 180 today. And they, they all vary in, t- in depth of integration, right? You know, some are yep. real-time information back and forth. Some are overnight um, updates in the morning. And, and there's some others that are, you know, somewhere in between. But when you have all of that choice and flexibility, you really need to provide some guidance for the advisors, especially someone who is breaking away from an independent broker-dealer where, you know, they log in and there's a dashboard and everything's there. Some of the stuff may work really well. Some may not. Some's probably in between. And they say, you know, what do I do? Well, mm-hmm. do you want something similar in an all-in-one type dashboard? Or are you looking to build out best of breed components and tie them all together? And that's really where we would start. And this is in concert with the sales process. And we do this also for our existing clients, because what we found is, probably starting in like 15 and 16 advisors were getting an awesome experience on the way in 
And then what we found is, you know, after two years, and that's kind of when, you know, the person who, the salesperson who brought them on turns them over to their, you know, more permanent relationship manager, they still wanted that type of support. And at the time we weren't providing that depth of support for existing clients. So probably since like 2017 ish or so, we started offering and scaling and at least figuring out a way to scale what this consulting process looks like. So if I, if I walk you through it, if you guys are breaking away from a, a broker dealer together, you know, it's Tory and Johnny's RAA, whatever, whatever the name of it is, we're going to go through a really deep consulting engagement to understand what it is that you want, what it is that you need and try and bifurcate the two. Uh, because there's a lot of really cool stuff out there that you're probably not going to use. And if it's not relevant to your business, we don't want to bring it into the into the front. So the, the three core systems that a lot of advisors will use are CRM, portfolio accounting and financial planning. And of course, there's others, but those tend to be the big three. And of course, there's arguments out there of whether or not you need one versus the other or you need all three. Uh, but it's really up to the advisor. And, you know, we work with about 7000 advisors, which means there's 7,000 different ways to run um, a business. So we'll send out an assessment that walks them through a number of questions that helps narrow down some of the choice. Now, not all the providers we work with are, are in this assessment. There's probably around, you know, maybe 30 to 40% of them. And then the rest come in where we say, look, you know, these providers work for this based on what you've told us you actually need. We think we should eliminate this provider from the selection process and insert this one for this reason. We'll come to an agreement that those are the right solutions to take a look at initially. And then as a demonstration of what the partnership looks like when you join TD Ameritrade as an advisor and a client, we're going to schedule those demonstrations on your behalf. So we're gonna take out all the calendaring. You tell us when you're available, we'll work it out with the vendors. We'll send out all the WebEx or go to meeting links and, and whatever it is. Um, and then we usually try to sit on those demos as well to make sure that things stay on track. And, you know, if you've ever been on a lot of these, you know, fintech demos, there's a salesperson on the other side and they're trying to sell the full suite of what they have. That may not be relevant to the advisor. Great example. A lot of solutions include portfolio accounting with everything that they have, but they also have trading now. Right. But if the advisor is 100 percent custody with TD and they've already said that we want to use iRebel, I don't need you to go through trading. However, if you're a larger firm and you're multi-custodial, right. sure, it probably makes sense to go through the trading application, but we may need to set up two separate calls, you know, to, to go ahead and go through that. So we just try and help guide the conversation. We leave it up to the advisor um, in the end to make the final decision. You know, after two or three demos of various providers, we'll try and help them narrow it down. We'll give them some best practices as they're starting to go through their negotiation. You know, we want them to create that list of, of what's non-negotiable, like buying a house. You know, what are you willing to live without? Uh, and what do you absolutely need to have? And then what are the things that you might be able to, you know, well, maybe I'll do two years. Maybe I'll go a little bit longer so I can bring the total fee down. Uh, sometimes advisors don't know that they can negotiate some of these things because they've never had to in the past. So we'll give them some advice on what that'll look like. And then if they want us to stay on through implementation, we will. But most of the times these tech providers have awesome implementation, um, you know, teams and individuals that are really going to help the advisors get the most out of the platform as quickly as possible. So that's really 
you know, the, I know it's a little lengthy discussion or description of what the process looks like, but it is really consultative. It's really in depth and it is truly product agnostic. Yeah. And what I really like about that is that at the end of the day, the advisor has the say on what technology they're going to use. And I think that's really important. It needs to be, how is the advisor going to be successful? Not how are we going to be successful? Um, so I think that's, it's an interesting perspective to have, especially as a, as big as TD is, um, and to have the advisors ultimately driving the car for themselves, I think is really important. And, you know, like you said, tech companies can come out there with all their bright, shiny objects and advisors can get kind of dis they could get distracted trying to figure out what they want and what they need. Um, and having someone there to say, you know, we talked about your goals. This was the goal for using this technology. Like, keep that in mind. Yes, they have a lot of other things that you could do with it. But, you know, to be successful day one, these were the this was the criteria you were looking for. Yeah, that, that's really what we focus on. It's it's you got to listen twice as much as you talk to be a, a good consultant. That, that's what I tell the team. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, there's um, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective on financial planning tech adoption, because, you know, there's um, the really prevalent narrative that advisor value is shifted over to be financial planning first, you know, investment management's commoditized, yada, yada, you know, in your role, have you seen adoption of FinPlan technology increasing? Is that something that you guys track at TD? I'm kind of wondering how that aligns with um, you know, that, that supposed value shift throughout financial advice. Yeah, we've definitely seen um, an uptick in adoption of financial planning providers, you know, and more of them over the past year or so had been wanting to build out their integrations with us in, in the VAO one platform. So they wanted to be able, they wanted advisors to be able to pull in various widgets, whether it was like a tax planning module, or if it was, you know, a confidence meter that some of the providers have, um, not necessarily like detailed cash flow for said client, but I definitely think um, things are shifting and they have been there. There is that narrative out there, like you had mentioned earlier. Uh, we have seen an uptick in some of that adoption. And I really think that advisors who aren't doing the planning, they are missing out. And some of them may look at this and say, well, this is really complicated and I'm not a CFP. And, well, you don't necessarily need to be a CFP to, to start looking at the different financial planning options that are out there. Perhaps you should have a CFP on staff. I would highly recommend that mm -hmm. um, because they can go a little bit deeper than the typical advisor might. At least they have um, presumably um, you know, more knowledge. And some of these tools when they first came out were really, really complex. There were a lot of data entry points. And when I was an advisor, you know, we were using a white label version of one of the major players out there. And I had to send out a data gathering booklet. And this was at the time where we were still sending paper. And it must have been 20 or 25 pages long. And you have the client who has to complete it. And then the advisor, you know, I didn't have any staff because I was new. Mm -hmm. um, I got to go in and type all this stuff up. And it's just, it's so long. And then you start That's to daunting. do the math. It, oh, totally. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have gone through any planning on your own, if you haven't advised you to work with, but there's definitely easier ways to gather this. And I look at 
personal capital who's just acquired by Empower. And I, I use personal capital mm-hmm. for me for all the data aggregation just to see everything in one place. And look, we all know that some of those links break from time to time, uh, but they've embedded a lot of financial planning tools inside their platform. So even, you know, I'm a CFP and I have some background, but even if you weren't, you can plug in when you want to retire. What income do you need? And then, you know, how how, uh, aggressive do you want to be with your investments? Okay, in five years, you want to buy a second home or you're planning for your kid's education. You can plug all that stuff in and, and that covers a lot of the basics. And I think if advisors aren't doing at least that, they're, they're missing out um, and they're missing out on opportunity. And I think they're going to fall behind because, you know, one of the trends that I've been reading a lot about lately and you're seeing it is embedded advice and embedded financial services inside other apps. Uber just said that they weren't going to go down this road um, or, or they're pausing it. But you're seeing the fight between Apple and Fortnite and other apps in the store that you know, they want to use their own payment application so that it's more vertically integrated and they get the fees. But Apple said, no, you're in our app store. Here's the terms. Uh, Facebook's doing the same thing with Facebook Pay and Libra, their, their cryptocurrency. So they're, they're trying to do that. But, you know, even in your banking app, and I work with one of the largest, oldest, you know, banks in the country, and their app is great but they've also got an investment option and they keep pestering me to open an account because I keep getting push messages that I can't (laughs) turn off, right? Um, But there's also this personal financial management that is starting to get embedded in that app. So you're seeing it everywhere. I think Mm -hmm. all these major financial institutions um, and even tech companies that are outside of finance that are starting to encroach on finance, they want you to be in their ecosystem. And if you don't provide this type of tech to your clients, they're going to look at elsewhere and they're going to start to demand these things. This, this is table stakes. It, you know, during the pandemic, and I know, I guess we're still in the pandemic, but early on, we were having conversations with advisors who were doing a lot more education around their client portal, whether it was through a piece of tech they were using or it was through the, through the custodian and advisors and clients, or I should say clients, weren't using it because they weren't aware of it. And it's not because the advisors didn't mm-hmm. tell them. It's because they just didn't want to go to it. But now, they're, how do I interact with my advisor? I can call them. I got to get video conferencing. And a lot of this stuff can all be done with the tech that the advisors already have. So we had a lot of calls about people wanting to change systems. And we, and we said, hey, slow down. Let's evaluate what you already have and see if there's parts of the tech that you're not using that you can. Um, And a great example of this is recently, I was talking with my advisor and back in, I think it was, I think it was March or April, we're having a conversation and they used one piece of technology that has video conferencing or screen sharing that's in there. And then I just had a meeting with them last week and all of a sudden it was with a different provider. And I said, hey, why did you change? He said, well, you know, we realized that this other piece of software didn't really do everything we wanted to do. And this one integrates a lot better with our email and our calendar and everything else. Um, And all of our clients were using it at work. So we said it was just a lot easier for clients to use this other system. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you didn't go out and buy one, uh, you know, in in between all this. And you actually 
evaluated what you had. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Like I always talk, I always say like the stickier your integration or the stickier your relationship is, it's the harder it's going to be for you to break up. Um, And I, like you said, like this payment, this payment game, I think is the new wave that we're going to see is like how sticky are they going to be making this? I'm a huge um, cash app person. Like I, that's, that's just the one that I've gravitated towards. Like that's who I want to use and seeing them dive deeper into the investment side of it. I've I've really enjoyed watching them grow and and figure that piece out. But um, like you said, like this demand between Apple and Fortnite and Facebook and that stuff, I think it's just, it's intriguing to see where this is all going to lead. Yeah, there's definitely some, there's definitely increased competition too. And will mm-hmm. continue to be from players that no one ever really expected. And, and that's just the way that that business yeah. goes. And I know those yeah. are really large uh, player in the UK that is now making their way into the U S and, you know, we'll probably try to rival cash app and Venmo and, and they do all the payment and the mm-hmm. banking stuff, but they're now starting to build out trading. Interesting. Yep. I, I think that we're getting, like we're right on the boundaries of one of our favorite questions to ask. So let's dive into it. What are the, <laughs> the FinTech trends that you see on the horizon that advisors have to be aware of? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. And some of this is what we've been talking about already, but yeah. I think over the past few years, you've seen a lot of consolidation in the RIA space and that's, you know, at the custodial level, at the individual RIA level, and certainly at the tech side. And clearly, you know, there's the mega merger between TD Ameritrade and Schwab Goldman acquired Folio, TCA and E-Trade got together and then were acquired by Morgan Stanley. Um, you're seeing a lot of uh, larger RAA firms buy smaller ones and vice versa. And on the tech side, the, the same holds true with a number of major players acquiring key software solutions to complete that RAA tech stack and be a little bit more of an all-in-one player. You know, I, I still think that there's going to be a demand for choice and flexibility because that's the, why advisors are becoming RAAs in the first place. But there's also a lot of them that said, look, we just want to be able to plug in and use something that is already existing. So the larger RAAs that are out there who are you know, consolidators or aggregators, whatever word you, you, know, you want to use, um, the ones that have that tech platform already put together and advisors can plug in, they're going to continue to see some benefit. And this isn't a bold prediction, but clearly the large custodians and incumbents are going to maintain the majority of the market share. But I do think they're going to find ways to monetize the large data sets that they maintain. And there's going to be a toll that asset managers and perhaps uh, you know advisors and or clients are going to need to pay to get to that data. I think all financial services companies are you know looking to protect uh, that data and, and have a moat around it. I know some of the large banks have said that they're not going to participate in screen scraping and sharing of information, and there needs to be a better model for that. So, you know, there's probably something that's going to come um, out of that space. But really, this embedded finance thing, I think, is going to push advisors to really leverage technology more than they do today uh, because their client expectations are going to continue to increase. Yeah, I, I, that race to, being the number one payment system, I think is going to be really interesting to watch. I, I think again, I am the type of person that never has cash. I don't want to hold on to it. 
um, everything needs to run through my phone. And if it doesn't run through my phone, I'm probably not going to use it. So I'm, I'm intrigued to in, honestly see what these larger firms come out with and how they're going to tackle that. Cause, um, our phones are our new computers and that's the way we want to engage with everyone. Um, so it's got to be able to go on your phone or it's not going to work. So the last, always how we wrap this up, I think everyone knows by now, is we ask our guests their favorite taco spots or their homemade tacos. So I know you had said you potentially have a new one for us. So what do you have for us out there in Jersey? Well, I'm, I'm going to leave you guys hanging for a little bit. And I want to share a, you know, a, a really good spot, obviously, is Puesto in San Diego. Yes. In New York City. Love it. Do, Dos Caminos has some really solid options, but... Really what I like about Dos Caminos is the El Diablo Margarita. Okay. I can track with this. All right. Like we can, okay. we got, so, yes, like we like this. <laughs> we're we're going to start there and then I'm going to take you to hopefully a place that you haven't been. So if you look up the ingredient list for this, it looks like 11 and a half ounces of tequila, but it's one and a half. The ones are really close to each other. So one and a half <laughs> ounces of uh, Reposado a half ounce of cream de cassis, a half ounce of lime juice, three ounces of ginger beer, blackberry, and garnish with a lime wedge. Very yes. nice. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> so it's it's delicious. Um, you only need a couple of them, and clearly you're doing top shelf um, tequila. But my favorite taco place that I've been to, I've only been there once, was Los Clados in Cabo San Lucas. And we Ooh, had smoked. We're going international. Smoked like Marlin it. tacos. Ooh. Ooh. This is a new one. You are. This is a new one. Yeah. So you have upped the game here. Awesome. Well, my, my wife and I had, we were just married. We were back from our honeymoon. We took another trip before, or I think this might've been the baby moon to Cabo. We met some friends at the place we were at. They had a car and they said, hey, you know, we're going to take you guys downtown. We went into town, went to some place, had a bunch of margaritas. Then they took us for smoked Marlin tacos. And of course, it was like a little tiny place, you know, red tablecloths, like you kind of imagine open air, fans up top and smoked Marlin tacos was out of this world. And of course, they must have just been caught because it was so fresh. That sounds delightful. Probably the best taco wreck yet. I'm gonna, yeah. I mean, Puesto's is always up there. Like, let's be honest. It's a good that's one, but... still king. Still king. Yeah. I mean, the smoked Marlin, that sounds amazing. And I'm yeah. sure you can Let's get it somewhere else, level. but I don't, I don't know where else you're getting Marlin. I mean, people go to Marlin, yeah. go to Cabo to, to try and catch Marlin. I think there's like a yeah. two per person limit or something. Yeah. That's not where like all those big fishing trips go out of for Marlin. It's Cabo, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. It's not my jam, but I've heard my friends talk about it. Fortunately, they don't limit you to two smoked marlin tacos. tacos. <laughs> Thank <laughs> goodness. The limit does not That would exist. be devastating. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Craig, thank you for joining us today, man. This was a very yeah, enjoyable discussion. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me. It was great to connect. You know, wish we could have done it in person, but... Um, you know, I'm going to keep following you guys on, on Twitter and social media. We appreciate You're the best. Yeah. We appreciate that. We appreciate you coming on 
And uh, everybody listening, make sure you hit that subscribe if you have not yet to keep up with new Taco Techs every Thursday. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah.